Hello and welcome to season three of This Won't Teach You Anything. I've dropped off the face of the earth for about the last uh, two, three months. I apologize for that. Real life gets in the way sometimes. Don't have as much time as I did during the pandemic, but we'll go ahead and remedy that going forward. Going at least in the short term with a bi-monthly format. So uh, without further ado, I will announce to you that uh, I've got my frequent uh, guest, Sean Kennedy, here today. Sean, how are you? Always happy to be here. Great. Great. So uh, lots been going on uh, personally around here. That's why I haven't... uh, haven't been uh, out with a new uh, episode, but uh, now that real life and the patio's been installed and in, in true-to-life pop culture interest <laughs> form, there's a, a, a large movie screen that goes up and down in the backyard. I think the inaugural movie that was out there was uh, fan favorite Zombie Land, and then here recently, actually within the last, what, uh, just over a week ago. Yeah, it was a week ago. Uh, Black Widow. So that uh, kind of leads into a uh, a great segue into the topic this week, which is, or topic for this episode, which is, uh, you know, we'll call them superhero slash comic book movies, that type of thing. Uh, so let's see. I think since the last time that, uh, that you know, you and I have been on, it's just been... Uh, the movies have just really uh, started coming back. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of teasing from uh, all the uh, the trailers and things that are coming out. And like Dune keeps getting pushed back another month here and another month there. It's just yeah. killing me. But, you know, it's just been part and parcel of what was, what's been going on with, uh, with COVID. Now, um, we've talked before about Dune. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll get into the, the, the meat of the show here later, but just... You know, with something like that, a decision when a director says, you know, I really want this on the big screen only. It's not the first time you've heard something like that. I think initially Spielberg was really against uh, uh, movies going straight uh, Netflix uh, making movies and having them debut on the streaming format. Yeah. You know, they. I think the biggest one to date, at least that I know, would would consider is The Irishman. The Irishman. Yeah. I, I can understand that from a from a aesthetic point of view i mean there is no there there is no experience that you're going to get at home like you'll see at the big screen you right. know you walk i mean just if you walk into the theater i mean you just you get hit with that popcorn smell and it's almost a carnival atmosphere it's 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 an experience and that's what the directors want they had the good directors anyway uh, mm-hmm. they they want to give an experience it's not just about showing the movie or telling a story it's a it's a whole experience right. that they want you to have and you won't get that with watching that at home no no especially with certain films i mean you know there's there's a lot of films that on the big screen it makes us so much more of a difference you know trying to watch something like jaws <laughs> you know seeing that on the big screen or seeing that on a, a small screen it, it makes a big difference right even if it's a good movie yeah have, have you been back to the theater lately since I, since they've reopened the last movie i saw in the theater i think was logan okay so it's been a few years yeah yeah i think uh i made my way with uh colleen uh about three or four weeks ago Went and caught a Quiet Place Part Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, six or seven people in the theater besides us, but it was we went on a Sunday afternoon, so it wasn't really peak time. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, the theaters were already hurting 
you know, before COVID, sure. which is why I kept expect. You know, I, I don't know if you followed anything online about uh, AMC yeah. and the uh, the the thing with Wall Street bets and them sure. trying to back that. Um, AMC, I, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the lower end of the movie theaters. Um, and so everybody, when I was working there, which was, I was working at rave in, uh, 2003, uh, 2004, 2005, 2006, I think. And it was, it was still busy, but it wasn't as busy as it had been 10 years ago. Mm. People were not coming to the movies as often. And I think that might be another thing, another reason why Spielberg is against Netflix and things like that, because our, you know the the theater industry was already in a nosedive. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we'll see it come back to a certain point because I think there's just a sense of everybody wanting to get things in some way back to normal. As as we record this, we're starting to see um, a few more indoor mask mandates go back up mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, and then I just read today in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, for indoor uh, recommended indoors. So trying to get away from that Delta variant. Right. Right. Which, you know, I mean, we'll see real quick here, not to get too much in the weeds. You know, you're, you're going to know real, real quick how effective vaccinations are. Yeah. You know, if if it's a small surge, which uh, everything that, that I read about said it was, you know, in the, the expected surges more in the, the lower vaccinated Mm -hmm. areas. But uh, you know, again, we won't get too far into that. You know, just mentioning it as as course to the uh, uh, what what direction the theaters may go, but I think a lot of people are 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 glad to uh, have that as an option. Yeah, everybody yeah. wants to get everything back to normal, right? And for some people, you know, I mean, I I would go to the movies, especially in the summer, once once a month, a couple times a month, uh, depending on what was out. But there just weren't uh, a, a lot of options. Yeah. Oh, and when I was at, when I was working there at the theater, I actually got paid overtime to watch all the movies when they came in on Wednesday nights. I was in there just before they transitioned into digital, which was they just download the movies directly to the projectors, and the projectors are like one hundred and eighty thousand dollars, really expensive. But uh, before that, they'd come in on reels on Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. You have to build them and set it up, and somebody'd have to watch it to make sure there was something. So after hours, you know, the shame, sure, yeah, make sure there was nothing wrong with it, or you didn't have the you know, the, the real flipped or anything like that. Sure. And so I'd pay a couple of the kids that work there over time to come in and watch a couple of the movies and I'd sit in there and watch all the movies and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, that, uh, yeah. Getting paid to watch the movies is about as good as it gets. I think yeah. even if it's not a really good movie, it's right. still getting paid to sit here and eat popcorn. Right. Um, and, and in a theater with nobody else talking Yeah, and that, whatnot. That was the best part of working there as a manager. I had a key to the place. So, you know, three o'clock in the morning, there's, you know, one of those nights where you can't sleep, but ah, going to work, thread up a projector, fire up the popcorn machine. Yeah. 400 seat auditorium all to myself. Watching something like, you know, the, the big budget summer, uh, summer spectacles mm-hmm. on opening night with a crowd. There's nothing that beats that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's like I said, it's an experience yeah, yeah, that you just don't get at home. And so, you know, believe it or not, um, with as simple as my life is. One of the big things, one of the things that I was uh, toying with, uh, we had uh, uh, we had friends over and we watched. Uh, uh, you were over and we watched uh, Black Widow. It's great. You, you know, need to get. You need to put a plug in for that inflatable that inflatable screen too. Yeah, way. other yeah. people need to know about that because that thing was bad. Yeah, maybe I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, the link to that thing. But yeah, we've got a inflatable screen with a twenty foot diagonal screen that uh, goes. 
uh, goes in it and uh, um, projector and uh, Bluetooth speaker yeah that we were able to go ahead and you know my my experience with projection you know tv and things like that is it's you know really pale and it's just you Mm -hmm. know it's not you get this great big screen but you don't get a really good resolution or anything no that was outside that was great yeah it It was uh, like being out right there on a tv screen or right there on the big screen yeah there was there was significant testing done to make sure things went right i probably spent more time doing that than i want to admit Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just want everything to be just right because, you know, as a, as a film fan uh, and whatnot, it would be sacrilege to go ahead and put something up there. I mean, arguably the biggest movie to come out since all this went to hell. Yeah. Um, you know, the first Marvel movie in over a year. Yeah. Which when they were pumping them out, you know, a couple, a couple every 12 months, um, you know, I, I wanted to do it right and make sure that everything went off. Uh, luckily, we had good weather, and it's a good night, good movie. Um, yeah, it was a great movie. And yeah, I enjoyed it. Why don't we go ahead and uh, get right into what we're here to talk about? And that's uh, some people call them superhero films, some people call them comic book films. For me, I think the the, the first experience, and you know, I'm not going to put Star Wars in this. I talk enough about that, but it, that's a different. Mm. Uh, I see that as a different genre. Um, but I remember the first one for me was uh, Richard Donner's Superman. Oh yeah, and that's the first one I saw in the theater, and the the original movie poster. I remember it. It said, "You'll believe a man can fly," and so you watch it today with you know when especially when you watch films with uh, what I would consider very good effects. You know, it's it's pretty dated, but back then, yeah. you know, and and for me. Christopher Reeve will always be Superman. That's the best iteration for me. And not just because I, that's what I grew up with. Cause you could catch reruns of uh, George Reeves mm-hmm. as Superman on the old TV show. Yeah. Uh, so I was exposed uh, to him. The old at, black and whites. Yeah. Those are great. Yeah. Yep. And, um, but you know, just for me, the, you know, in my mind, Christopher Reeve played that role, Clark Kent and Superman in the way that, you know, he's kind of formed my imagination of what Superman should be. Frank Miller in uh, the Dark Knight Returns series, the, mm-hmm. the, the comic book, I believe that's where, at least the time I remember, um, a Batman referring to him as the big blue the boy big scout. Blue, the big blue school boy. Yeah, yeah something was, like that. Yeah. And, uh, and that was just it, you know, right? And so, um, you know, he was that what are the t- truth justice in the American way type thing. But yeah. you know, he was, he was just to a fault, just good. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think he played that really well. I think recent iterations with uh, Henry Cavell, um, you know, he gets a bit too moody for my liking as, as Superman, Okay, you know, um, did you have a chance to watch um, uh, justice league, the Snyder cut? I, not the Snyder cut. I haven't yeah, watched It's about that yet. four hours. But I'll tell you what it is. It, it it's strange, but it's it's well done with Zack Snyder. He's either hit and miss or pulls off about half the movie, as I've said before, mm-hmm. and then you know just either loses interest in it and kind of just it peters out towards the end, or it just you know the 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 story's usually you know visually everything's almost spectacular. Mm-hmm. You know whenever he does something, uh, you know if you can turn the story off or the sound, mm-hmm. your eyes are in for a treat. But sometimes. Uh, 
he goes off the rails. I think a perfect example of that is Sucker Punch, which doesn't make <laughs> a ton, or, or any real sense. No, uh-uh. it's just a visual spectacle. Right, yeah. right. So, a girl running around in a Sailor Moon outfit. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah against uh, giant robots and whatever else you can think of. <laughs> um, but yeah, visually striking. But uh, going back to Superman, that was my first experience with like uh, a, a superhero on the screen. Do you remember what uh, you know what what formed uh, an opinion for you of what the uh, superheroes would be like on the screen? You know, I have a I have a real uh, uh, something that really grabs me about uh, movies uh, is when the the soundtrack is right. Oh. And that's why I, I really appreciate when movies like, you know, you see a Martin Scorsese movie and if you hear stones in the background, something's about to get violent. I mean, you just feel it, you know, and you know, if you've watched enough Scor- Martin Scorsese movies, stones start playing, somebody's getting violent. Um, it's so important to get the music right mm-hmm. because there have been other movies that, uh, that I thought suffered from that, but you had John Williams with the Superman theme. And it was great when they, what it wasn't man of steel. Was it? It was when they, when they rebooted Superman Superman returns, Superman returns, they used part of that score, part of that score. And it was great because I was sitting in the theater when the preview came on and you didn't, you didn't know what it was about. And you just heard that real soft and then bum, 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 bum. It was like, (gasps) you know, and it just, that, made the hair go up on my arms and, you know, it was just like, you know, and Mm -hmm. was right back there because yeah, that was one of the movies that I was going to as a kid, Superman and Superman two and Richard Pryor. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's something I think, uh, that the, the, um, superhero movies are for me, some of the most entertaining ones out there. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say they're the greatest movies ever, you know, cinema, you know, as you know, Oh yeah. Um, it really seems Marvel hits on about 98% level of stuff apt, mm-hmm. you know, the, and I, you know, I said, I wouldn't mention star Wars in uh, mapping out a cohesive story mm-hmm. that the star Wars uh, sequels that were just out the force awakens, the last Jedi and um, the rise of Skywalker were so disjointed mm-hmm. there. There wasn't, you know, in, in interviews with J.J. Abrams, uh, he said, their, you know, their their biggest mistake was that they, they just didn't sit down and storyboard the whole thing. Yeah. You know, because you had J.J. Abrams and then, you you know, hand off the reins, the baton to that's, Ryan Johnson. That's See, that's I think that's the problem with a lot of it is you just get, uh, you know, they, with, they, they wouldn't keep with the same director mm-hmm. or the, even the same screenwriter or anything mm-hmm. like that from one movie to another. Right. Whereas, Which would be okay if yeah. you had... The, you know, the storyboard, yeah. um, you know, yeah, keep uh, a thing like that would be similar to, I believe you and I've talked and how, uh, George R. R. Martin has mm-hmm. discussed with, with whoever may be taking the over the story. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, what was going to happen? Although recently I read that the way he's going to end the books is going to be different than what happened in the, well, they had, in the show. From what I understood, they understood the basic background and what he was aiming for. But, uh, and they, when they, they used his book as a good ladder to his books rather as a good ladder. But once it got to the point where he had stopped, the books where he still has another two left. To That's go. where it suffered. 
that's where they started going on their own and they just kind of just made stuff up willy nilly and it, which a lot of it just didn't uh, a lot of it didn't didn't make sense i mean you got a, a storyline about the uh the white walkers been building for season after season after season for like seven years and it and really it, felt like and it, let's get past this real quick yeah and we're running like, out of episodes and we don't want to do anymore yeah it was it was yeah and so they're you know yeah you're right if you've got somebody at the helm who has an overall vision of where everything is supposed to go it makes a a, a big difference. Sure. And so that's something I feel Marvel has done. Yeah. You know, they've, they've, and it was a huge gamble because before uh, Disney purchased Marvel, you know, it was Marvel studios uh, in 2008 with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, quite honestly, any, anybody listening to this, you know, who's probably half my age in their twenties, I, I wonder how many of them know uh, what a potential gamble Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Would be as a, as a leading character. Yeah. And a foundational character. Yeah. Um, because of, of his past, mm-hmm. you know, there were times that, uh, you know, some of you, yeah, uh, you can look up, but, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Jr. Had, had it, uh, he was Charlie Sheen Char- was. before Charlie Sheen was Charlie Sheen. He was, he had an, you know, he was, uh, an addict and a partier and yeah, absolutely. So, um, it wasn't uncommon to, you know, to just, see him that way uh for a lot of us you know who had seen movies in the 80s and 90s um you know less than zero comes to mind yeah you know i mean that's that uh you know just could be almost the way you'd imagine his off-screen life yeah yeah you know being so and you've seen so many other actors and actresses that have gone that path i mean you know like Lindsay lohan Sure. You know, here's somebody who had a career that was bang, 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 movie, 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 movie. And then she got to a certain point and she just completely self-destructed. Right. And, you know, everything she did after that was a train wreck. And yeah. people didn't want to work with her anymore because she'd She's show difficult, up drunk. Difficult, drunk, and, late. You know. I mean, you know, to launch, you know, what – and nobody knew in 2008, anybody outside Marvel Studios – you know what they'd be able because if Iron Man doesn't hit, you don't have the rest of the Marvel no. set. Nobody's going to back that. No. So, you know, to to use Robert Downey Jr. I mean, it was there was a risk there to go ahead and do it, but but they, he is that character. Oh, hundred percent. And, um, you know, so Marvel has been a a textbook. They they wrote the textbook mm-hmm. on how to do this. I mean, the the amount of of interweaving story from film to film is just, I mean, it's done on a scale nobody's ever seen mm-hmm. before and it works. Yeah. I think, I think it also there was, there was a prevailing theory for a long time in Hollywood that, uh, you know, aside from star Wars, you know, multi, multi, you know, a sequel is going to be, you know, just your, your money grab crab shoot, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, it's, you know, nobody's going to real put really any inf- inf- or any effort into it. They did a lot of sequels of a lot of movies like romancing the stone was great. And then you had, what was it? Jewel, Jewel of, of the, the Nile, Nile yep. which is just terrible. Yep. And it was like that for just about everything. And so just the, the common sense, the common thought in, uh, in the producer's world is that, the first one is your money maker. Everything else is a cash grab after that. So you don't put any effort into it. And they, they really proved that wrong. Right. Yeah. And it, I think that also with the advent of online viewing, you also came across another thing that, uh, that 
was the the common thought in producers is that nobody's going to sit still for anything longer than two hours. Yeah. You know, anything longer than two hours and you're just wasting your, nobody's going to come see this movie. Yeah. And so as a result, a lot of, a lot of stories suffered because they had to chop it down to an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes. Whereas they really didn't know what they were talking about because all of us are completely fine sitting and binging something on Netflix for 10 hours. If it's yeah. good, even on a work night. Yeah. <laughs> So if you got something like stranger things that pops up, yeah. yeah, you're going into work the next morning without any, without any sleep. Yeah. And, and glad to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. The, uh, so we've got right now the, the, the big dog is Marvel. Yeah. Um, on the other side of that, we have DC and Warner brothers. Um, the strange thing is that probably their most steady, uh, Film character has got to be Batman. Yeah. You know, I remember in 89 when the Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton movie. Jack Nicholson came out. Um, it, it seemed like that was a movie everybody had wanted for forever to see Batman on the screen. Yeah. And, you know, I remember the, you know, there was, you know, as much of an uproar without the internet as there could be. And then, Oh, Michael Keaton, you know, he's, he's a comedic actor. Yeah. You know, why are I you, remember that? Yeah. you know, why are they casting him? But that's, that's Tim Burton, right? Yeah. You know, he's, um, he's got a vision, right? Yeah. 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 He's got his own way. I mean, um, Jack Nicholson, no one had a problem with, no. I mean, cause it's Jack. Yeah. Right. And the Joker is just a nutcase. Yeah. Uh, plays sociopathic or, or better than Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just, he's just one of the more, you know, getting slightly off topic, one of the more, and I don't think, I think people are so desensitized to, to certain types of films with, and I've never watched them, but, but Colleen had, had watched them. I know the premise, you know, things like saw and, you know, the, the, the torture porn or, yeah. you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, the really, the, in the vein of, of, uh, you know, the, that kind How of they scary. think of psycho. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the, the kind of the psychological horror, one of the most, you know, if you revisit it, one of the most ter- psychologically terrifying things that I've, that I've seen. And I, I just saw it a few years back after not having seen it for a while that really just keeps playing through my mind is the shining. Yeah. When Shelley Duvall finds what he's been typing. Yeah. And uh, just how utterly terrifying that is, you know, that a lot of, a lot of that has got to go to Stanley Kubrick, but yeah, a lot to Jack Nicholson too. That whole movie, if you sit and watch it in the right vein, because a lot of, there was a really great, uh, uh, documentary that was made about that. That was on Netflix for a little while. I think it was called 1488. It was the, the room number of that one room okay. that was haunted mm-hmm. that the kid went in there and saw the, uh, the hag and yeah. the, uh, and the tub. And it just went through everything that he had written. I mean, he had, you know, Kubrick had taken that script and just wove so much into it. And yeah, there was just, there was a lot of stuff like that in there. But you know, the buildup, I mean, Mm -hmm. you just see him, he doesn't want to be disturbed while he's writing and he's got all these pages and whatnot. And you know what it's spoiler alert, basically, if you haven't seen the shining by now, um, skip ahead a little bit. Um, because it is worth watching. Oh, it's that's that's a classic. You know, that but is one of those ones. Yes. Um, 
when he writes in there and she sees all the all the papers yeah. and all it says is all work and no play make Jack a dull boy over and over and over like two inches thick right. of paper. Yeah. yeah. You just, it's then that you realize that he's lost his mind since the beginning mm-hmm. and he's just downhill in this. And it just, you know, I don't know if anybody else pulled the whole character off like Jack Nicholson did, but you know, just, you know, like you said, that's a Kubrick thing right there, but just, you know, you don't need the blood. You don't need no. the gore to just go ahead and let it just screw with your mind. Then if they, if, if, if it could have been Kubrick, but with a different actor, it wouldn't have sold as well. Right. He would, you know, it had to be Jack Nicholson playing that character. Yeah. I can't think of anything else that anyone else that could have, could no. have made you frightened like that. No. Just from, just from his behavior, not even like getting violent yet. Just him ha- sitting there having those conversations with those, with, with the hotel in yeah. his mind. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting there and you just watching him deteriorate. Right. It was fantastic. Yeah, to where it goes, and then and then it all makes sense at the end, you know. But again, so there, nobody really has a problem. Jack Nicholson is a joker. No. I mean, he did his own thing with it. It was a, a mix between camp and just psychotic. Yeah. But Tim Burton movie, it works. Yeah. So uh, the the Batman films up until you had Batman, and then you had Batman Returns. Also, Tim Burton um, got a little more Tim Burton esque. In, in returns, right? It's hard to go ahead and and have uh, uh, a villain called the Penguin just pose any kind of a threat, especially yeah. when there's penguins with like you know explosive <laughs> rockets, yeah. you know, um, it being the threat. But you know, as a visual spectacle and and whatnot, you you accept it. Yeah. And Michelle Pfeiffer's cat, Catwoman doesn't hurt things. No. So um, then uh, Tim Burton leaves and Michael Keaton leaves. And we end up with, um, was that Batman forever? Was Batman forever. Val Kilmer. Cl- oh, okay. Val Kilmer. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I believe it was Batman forever. He took no end of ribbing from that, from his, uh, coworkers and, uh, heat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Al Pacino story. and, uh, Robert De Niro just kept jacking with him about, about, yeah, whatever Batman. Just, yep. He had to go and complain to the director. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, I mean, what, what, how are you going to defend yourself against those two? You just, you just got to take, take the hit. It. Yeah, you just got to, you, you just got to accept it. And, you know, if Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are going to sit there and make fun of you, you just got to be like, yeah, you got me. All right. <laughs> you just take the hit. Yeah. So you went, it, it was such a tonal shift between Tim Burton's films and Joel Schumacher doing Batman Forever yeah. and then uh, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. It really went from anything that any semblance of Tim Burton's kind of um, darkly um, very imaginative. Yeah. You know, vision to just straight out, like to the vein of the Batman TV show. It just went completely campy and over the top. You know, you had um, Val Kilmer as Batman, which was fine. Um, didn't really do anything with the Bruce Wayne side of the character. He just, you know, put on the suit and be Batman, you know, so some action sequences, you had Jim Carrey as the Riddler, which a natural type of fit. If you go by, um, Oh, apparently I, I heard a story that, uh, Tommy Lee Jones did not like no, him. No, they did not get along. Yeah. And he flat out told him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, wow, why would Tommy Lee Jones be so upset about that? But couldn't stand to be in the room with him apparently. Nope. Nope. And, uh, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is two face. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such a tonal shift and made a ton of money. 
but uh, which that, made the producers happy, but sure. it doesn't so drive the story for right. us. Yeah, let let's let's make another one. Yeah. So that Batman and Robin comes out. George Clooney, future Oscar winner, um, has made some great films. So you can't really put it on him. It just it it was a it had all these huge stars in it. Batman and Robin, Uma Thurman, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Alicia Silverstone, Alicia Silverstone, Chris O'Donnell, Chris O'Donnell. Um, and uh, George Clooney. Right. And you know, it, it was, it was a run for what could be more terrible between those two films still made a ton of money. You know, both, both of those monies, I, uh, both of those money, money, both of those movies, I kind of equate with the same summer blockbuster schlock that you get from, my least favorite director, the guy who did Transformers, Michael Bay. Oh, Mr. Explody. Yeah. And I, 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 and Michael Bay was always working with, uh, I can't remember the producer's name, but he, you know, they, they went hand in hand with a lot of things to the point where the, was producer, it Bruckheimer? Yeah. Yeah. To, to the point where the producer was got announced that he was doing Black Hawk down. And I was furious because I thought that meant there was, going to be Michael Bay esque things in there. And they're going to be exploding camels and all sorts of other crap, but no, they, he got, uh, um, uh, the guy who did alien in there. Really Scott. Yeah. Ridley Scott. He got him in there for a director and really, yeah, that was really great. But yeah, that's, that's kind of what I, I associate the up until that point, I associated the summer blockbuster as just, you know, eye candy schlock, mm-hmm. you know, and usually I wouldn't really all that enjoy it. Sure. Yes. So it was good that I felt that Marvel took it and was, and took it more seriously. Like they could actually do something and tell a story. Right. And there was with humor, Yeah, you know, because, but not what they tried to do with what DC tried to do. Now you did have in, in, in between, as you mentioned, Superman returns, which, which, was just kind of an odd type of thing because it was a continuation basically of the Christopher Reeve character version of Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you had Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor and, and you know, Superman's been gone for five years or whatever it was. He comes back, saves his flight and they go on from there. But it was, it was a, a pseudo continuation of I, that version of Superman. I felt like that was something that somebody said, you know what? We've got really great technology for CGI. Now mm-hmm. we can do something like Superman and right. it, you know, and it'll look a lot better, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I, that movie, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like all that much, but I didn't dislike it. It right. just was, it was like, it, Meh, yeah. You know. Which for me is kind of a, you know, just almost as bad as being bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, you ever watch a movie that, that you're like, halfway through and then you're like, you know, I've seen this before, but it didn't hit you until then. Yeah. That's, those are the ones for me that are just like, they don't leave any taste in your mouth. You no, know, I like, I like the ones that if I'm flipping through a channel and that one pops up, I'm going to put the remote down. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. It's like, oh, this, yeah. oh yeah. I think the standard for, you know, and, uh, you and, and I, you know, the Godfather is one of those movies. Yeah, wherever it's at, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I could be walking through the mall and it's on the on the TV. I'm going to pull up a chair somewhere. So that so we had those in um, you know a few others, but the ones that that really uh, kind of brought things back into the fold for me were Christopher Nolan's Batman films. Batman Begins came out without a ton of fanfare. No, you know, and you know, kind of a. Uh, the last version of Batman we saw on the big screen wasn't the best version of Batman. No, again, no fault of Clooney's, but it was just more the the direction the studios went with. 
So to see that it was more of a, you know, took a more serious dark tone, right? With like a, a, a almost a real world type of thing. I mean, there was, you know, the 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 vehicle in it was never, I don't believe, referred to as a Batmobile ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In it, no. you know, it was a tumbler, and you know, I mean, it just was what it was. The introduction, the creation of the character Lucius Fox, mm-hmm. played by Morgan Freeman, you know, to have, you know, he's basically Bruce Wayne's Q. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, just the way they did that, because you know, it, it felt like such a good way to go ahead. Because if you sit there and you think about it, like I do, which I spend too much, entirely too much time on things like this, much mm-hmm. to the chagrin of my wife, <laughs> is, you know. Did Batman build all this stuff? You know, you go to the thing, you know, did he, is he a master mechanic? Is he an aero, aerospace engineer by building these planes? And, you know, how is he building this stuff and nobody's knowing? Which, again, I mean, how the hell is he pulling all this off with Lucius Fox and nobody know what's going on yeah. on that floor of the building, right? And nobody recognizing that that vehicle going through the streets. They even make mention of it in one of the films. Uh, that's, that's one of the reasons why I've, I've heard Batman compared to Iron Man because of the multi-billionaire ultra genius thing going on there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I can, I can see the comparison. I, I like that they, they started taking it more serious and they, you know, there are a couple of storylines from the comics because whenever I see these movies, I, I don't really think superhero movies. I think comic book movies. Got it. Um, comics. I started growing up with when I was like, uh, I don't know, like third grade, I think. I remember specifically that I was playing baseball and I twisted my ankle and I couldn't do anything. And I just had to sit with this big swollen ankle. And my mom went to the store and got me comic books to read. And she brought home one. And one of them was uh, GI Joe, which I'd been playing with when I was a little sure. kid anyway. And I, so I started reading that and I started getting more interested and started taking a trip down to Broadway comics, which was, you know, about a mile and a half, two miles from my parents' house when I was a kid. And, like some of the, there were storylines in the comics that if you talk to people who, who read the comics, you know, you can talk to them about specific storylines and things that have happened, specific arcs that have mm-hmm. happened and they, that really stand out. And one of those was the dark Knight Returns series, which was a series of just, it was just a, a, a series of four, yep. what they called graphic novels at the time um, that was written by, uh, Frank, uh, Frank Miller, Frank Miller. And it took Batman in a different direction than it had for any of the comics or anything up until that point. And it took Batman into becoming a really a dark character, which if you really think about it, he is, he's, he, if you, if you really look at it, Batman, Batman's a psychopath. He's a sociopath. Yes. Uh, here's somebody who at you know eight or nine years old watched his parents get gunned down in front of him and became monomaniacal about one subject crime and he goes out and he doesn't he doesn't really stop crime he just goes out and breaks people and destroys people at night who he catches doing things and nobody nobody in the films has captured batman right they haven't gotten it. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago that I thought that uh, um, Quentin Tarantino's view on Superman oh, yeah. was a perfect example of the same for Batman. Batman is who he really is. Bruce Wayne is that's who that's his alter ego. 
That's, that's, that's who, the, the costume. That's the costume. That's who he thinks people want him to be and expect right. him to be. And he thinks that's what a normal person would act like. And that's not where his mind is actually at. The Dark Knight series did a great job describing that. And sh- you know, the Dark Knight series was, you know, Batman had grown old enough that he had retired. In his 50s. Yeah. And had, you know, given it up and was just trying to live a normal life with, you know, going and, you know, just living, you know, normal life and trying to get on with things. And it just, he couldn't because that's not who he is. He's not Bruce Wayne. He's that thing. Crime is up in Gotham city and he, he gets the itch. Yeah. And yeah, definitely up until that point, I, I, you know, I hadn't picked up a comic book in years, but at that point, and what was that? 86. That was 86. Yeah. Um, you know, that was the, that was the most in your face version of Batman. Yeah. You know, just gritty and violent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And there, Batman had no problem breaking somebody in half and crippling yep. them or anything like that. He yep. killed somebody in that, in that series. Yep. And, uh, you know, it just, it was, and that actually set a tone because it became so popular that, you know, I mean, back then, you know, comic books went for like 89 cents, stuff like that. And these Dark Knight series things went for like 250 And people bought them and then were turning around and reselling them for $100 mm-hmm. because the first run that came out, they didn't think it was going to be that big. And it, it spawned this whole other thing in the comics about how comics could be worth more money. Right. And, and it also spawned a thought of, you know what, we could get away with doing something darker right with our series yeah the the a lot of the the kids that grew up with batman are now adults yeah you know mm-hmm. and it, you know we can comic books that may have been the point where comic books weren't just for kids anymore yeah you maybe started not. seeing the rise of what they called graphic novels sure. which was still a comic book right. but just more with more of an adult theme to it right yeah if you think if if you go to the movies and you see um you know X-Men or you see um, the Avengers or Iron Man, Captain America, a lot of what you're seeing up there was born out of these stories that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Captain America Civil War mm-hmm. was actually a large Marvel arc. Yep. It, it, and it was just called Civil War uh, in that. And it was a great story. They yep. did it really well. Mm-hmm. X-Men had Dark Phoenix, mm-hmm. which uh, the Dark Phoenix saga, which they completely butchered yeah, they, in the they, film. They, it was yeah, terrible. They have really not done a really good job with the X-Men. Right. And I don't know why, because they've got the talent there. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what it is, is that you just, you just don't have the right people in charge. I, yeah. and you know, even though, uh, Fox produced those X-Men movies, they had the rights to X-Men. And now, over the last two years, Disney Marvel has acquired the rights of all the Fox properties. Right. So for ever, I, I believe the first mention of anything related to mutant in the Marvel cinematic universe, I think was there was a mutant named Ursa major in, in the, in Marvel. And if I'm not mistaken, the uh in black widow and this isn't too much of a spoiler because it happens fairly early in the movie but if you'd like to skip ahead maybe 10 15 seconds go ahead um 
nothing really has to do doesn't with the take plot. It doesn't take anything. Yeah, it's not going to really spoil anything other than just this bit of trivia. There is a character that uh, David Harbour's um, Red Guardian, when he's in prison, talks to him. It's that huge guy who ends up breaking his wrist in yeah. the arm wrestling. Ursa. Is that who that was? That's who I'm thinking it it was. You probably don't run into a bunch of, but he was a huge guy, which would would um, go along with uh, in the comic books, Ursa Major, um, and uh, I think that's the first any any kind of uh, talk of mutants being in, uh, without saying the word mutant, inside the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because when uh, Fox owned the film rights to the word mutant. That's why if you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you no won't. mention. Nope. The Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in um I wondered about that. Well, I was I was like those two are mutants. Why are why is Yeah, they refer to up? as enhanced. Yeah, yeah. In 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 the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, um and I I don't think in in the films at least, I don't think she was referred to as a Scarlet Witch until the Disney series. No. The Wanda, WandaVision. Yeah. Who's just always referred to as Wanda Maximoff. Yeah. Um, I don't think they called her brother Quicksilver either. No, they? I don't yeah. think so. He always went by Pietro yeah. in there, but yeah, I thought the, I thought the X-Men did a better job with their Quicksilver than they, than, uh, Oh, than the MCU did. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the few things, Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, and I, I always maintained, um, that, Everybody loved Hugh Jackman's portrayal of Wolverine and I was just okay with it yeah. mainly because he's so big Yeah. until Logan. Yeah. And then Logan hit and I'm like, okay, they yeah. did this. Finally. Yeah. You know this, what? I I had been waiting for that for oh, so my. long because, you know, we grew up with the, the comic books and even before, um, even before the dark Knight. Uh, parts of the X-Men were still pretty dark talking about, there were, you know, themes of genocide yeah. and racial inequality and a lot of uh, prejudice and bigotry and Wolverine. I mean, here's a guy, his, his powers are, you know, uh, a, a healing generation. Okay. Right. And, and his powers slash curse. Yeah. Right. And, and his claws. And, you know, what are you going to do with a guy who's got foot long knives that stick out? Unbreakable. Yeah. Except have him cut people up, right. and in, in in all the movies, you know he didn't he didn't do anything. Whereas you know we had been watching the comics and just watching him like open people up left yep. and right, you know. Yep. So and that, going berserk. Yeah, and yeah, and just you know uh, that was one of the one of the ones that I enjoyed. I've still you know I've got all the comics at home still, and just like uh, uh, Wolverine versus Spider Man because they do those crossovers, yep. you know, and just get these characters involved with it. And uh, he was talking about just, you know, one of them got through to me with a shotgun right in the face. And I, I guess the human part of me blacked out and all that was left was the animal. And you just saw the blood start yeah. shooting up everywhere where he just went wild. Yeah. And, you know, as that's what I was hoping for. You know, when, when they announced Batman with Michael Keaton, it was like a year after the Dark Knight series. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, they're going to have the Dark Knight type. And right. it wasn't. It was. Yeah. I, I never got into the Keaton Batman. It was just, I, you know, I just, eh. I went and saw it, but I wasn't, I wasn't all that impressed by it. I was hoping for the dark Knight, and I liked the Christopher Nolan version because he took those three movies and you can find in there direct um, lines, mm-hmm. actually, you know, of, of, you know, speaking lines pulled from the dark Knight comics, if not a couple of, uh, of plot points, right. Which was great. 
Yeah, well, if you look at, um, um, I believe it's Justice League. The um, no, it's I can't remember if it's Justice League or Batman versus Superman that uh, Zack Snyder did. Um, there's there's a few scenes in that yeah. that are just like basically storyboarded right from there. There's a scene where there's lightning flashing in the background and Batman used that gas gun to grab uh, the grappling hook and he's against a building. Yeah. And it's like right from one of the covers of the, of the, the, the four episode dark Knight uh, return series. So yeah, I mean really heavily influenced. Uh, Logan was, was heavily borrowed from uh, the, the series old man. Logan is, yeah. is, is what it was. Um, so, you know, that it isn't just about, uh, you know, the in-your-face kind of animalistic violence that you see in Logan, it's just like you said. He's got all these knives on his arms yeah. and, you know. This is what he does. Yeah. That's what he's built for. Right. So um, uh, directed by James Mangold, uh, Logan is, who, interestingly enough, is directing the first non-Spielberg Indiana Jones. Is that what's going on right now? Yep. Going back to the 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 comic book uh, movies, you you have a sense of uh, 2008 Iron Man comes out and it's a hit, big hit, mm. and then uh, at the end you have um, Nick Fury mm-hmm. in the post credit scene, which has been kind of a just launched something that like I know I don't know about you. But at the end of a movie these days, I will go. There's a specific site that you can go to mm-hmm. that says um, it's like I, I forget the name of the site. But if you Google name the movie and then after credit scene, mm-hmm. it'll bring it up and it'll tell you if there's anything after the credit. So you don't sit there for four minutes if you nice. don't want to. Um, so it's just become become kind of a thing that, you know, people are like, oh, is there a stinger mm-hmm. at the end that I need to wait for? You know, you're hoping for. Just a little bit, an encore is what you're looking right. for. Yeah, yeah, you know, just a little bit more. Um, we just finished up, Colleen and I just finished up the Loki series. It's I on Disney Plus. Yeah. Which I won't, I won't spoil any of it here, but it, uh, it, it, it's, it's main purpose. Uh, it, it was entertaining. I liked it better than uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which you know, for me was, was that kind of forgettable, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, I'd watch it in 10 years and, and think, Oh yeah, I've, I've seen this already. Yeah. Um, I like both the characters. It just, it felt really like something that you would catch on net, uh, a really expensive network TV mm-hmm. type of show, because especially, um, uh, apparently, uh, the winter soldier got over most of his, uh, uh, psychosis that he experienced because it just kind of, you know, he's not the same character, you know, that would be haunted mm-hmm. a little bit, but um, it just, it, it, it just felt like it was more, it, it felt really network TV to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, WandaVision I think was really good. It was, it was very different. And so, you know, I was a lot more engaged with that. Um, I think of what, Disney's done on Disney plus with the Marvel shows. I think WandaVision for me was the best. And then Loki and then the Falcon and the winter soldier, but they do very much tie into the overall universe. Loki especially seems like it was, um, it was there to set up something, something big. 
that that was the whole purpose of the series. So while it had its own story and the characters and whatnot, it it was serving a bigger purpose, if you will. Yeah, you know what's really interesting to me is the is the fact that it got so big off the Avengers, which wasn't the massive uh, comic book franchise. The premiere would have been the X-Men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The premiere would, would have been the X-Men and they had a couple other characters that had their own thing. But I mean, I didn't, I didn't even really, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't read any of the Avengers books. You know, yeah. I, I tried to read a Thor one time and I thought that was the stupidest crap that I've ever come across. They, back in the comic books, they used to make Thor talk in this old, uh, this old English type of uh, verse yeah, you know, I say thee nay, foul miscreant. And it was just like, dude, just get get this out of here, man. Right. What are you doing? And uh, you know, so when 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 they came out with Iron Man, I was like, meh. I was like, I'll I'll go see it, but I wasn't expecting it to be all that great because I didn't think the character was all that great. Yeah, until but, Robert Downey Jr. Until Robert Downey Jr. sold that a hundred percent. I mean, there's just so much that that he added to that oh, character that God. that. That one upped the comic book. Oh yeah, the, the character in the comic book. Yeah. I mean, just the char- I'm sorry, the character in the comic book was just forgettable. I mean, he, he, it, it was it wasn't all that impressive. Yeah, Batman and Marvel. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it just. What's it, your superpower? I'm rich. Yeah, I'm rich and really smart. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, which incidentally, in in Justice League, that's one of Ben Affleck's lines when the Flash asks him, "What's your superpower?" I'm rich. So, um, which, which was well played, but yeah, you know, there, there's so many things that just on paper shouldn't work. You've got uh, a Norse God Mm -hmm. mixing in and, but they, they play to that. Yeah. You know, uh, arguably though, I will say that the first two Thor movies are near the bottom of, of my, you know, list of Marvel films. I yes. mean, if it was, not, that was, that was those, both of those were right, especially Thor, the second one, yeah. was just way at the bottom Yeah, to where, the point where when they, when they talked about Ragnarok, I was like, I'm not even really interested in seeing it. And that one's near the top. That one is one of the greatest. <laughs> Marvel, and that is hundred percent due to Taika Waititi. Oh my he God. He needs to get all the credit for that. Yeah. He is. Yeah. What he's done with that character is so good. And then, it should work. Gold bloom. It shouldn't work, but it does. Yep. Yeah. What, what's one of the gold bloom lines in there where he's like, <laughs> yeah, they got a, got a, uh, sprinkles. So you go, Oh, look. Oh, oh, he's threatening me. He's threatening me. Look at that. <laughs> in only the way that Jeff Goldblum yeah. could do. It's so good. Um, you know, but yeah, it just, it, it shouldn't work because it's such a big tonal shift, but that's a credit to, uh, Taika Waititi, um, pulling that off Mm -hmm. i mean it really feels more in the vein of james gunn's guardians of the galaxy yeah yeah 100 percent. which you know those were some of the you know not the biggest scenes but some of the best scenes in infinity war and endgame yeah is when the guardians run into thor and they have that you know and they're 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 (laughs) talking at the i'm 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 in charge charge. of course you are (laughs) they they know that (laughs) just so good yeah um so yeah, that's the thing with with Marvel. It doesn't have to go. I you know, I even Fox's other property um uh uh Deadpool before it came over to Disney now owns Deadpool. Yeah, I saw that. Um they he even poked fun at it, you know, in in one of the films he's like it's so dark. Is it, is this a DC universe? <laughs> yeah. But um 
which again, off topic as we like to do in this show, did you see the, um, um, uh, Deadpool? It was like a reaction video. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Was loving it. Oh, so good. So Deadpool officially in the MCU Mm -hmm. because you know, that's, did Korg's right out of the MCU? Did Did you see uh, um, what's the name Hugh Jackman's reaction tweet to it? No, he was like he got up there and tweeted out. He's like uh, a full two minutes, and you didn't even mention me. I guess your therapy's finally paying <laughs> off, Reynolds. <laughs> oh, Those yeah. two going at each other is the best. Yep. Man. I love that. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, so yeah, you have. Uh, Marvel doing uh, just about everything right, uh, firing on all cylinders, uh, and and yet still, especially through Endgame, having having a story that that weaves its way through each of the films. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think the reason why DC can't get it together is because they it's it's all in leadership they don't have they've just got some money men out there and they're still trying to go with the old formula you know what are we going to do we need to make this money i know what we'll do we'll have 10 big name actors in it you know yeah and, and throw all our heroes in at once yeah and it worked know, for marvel yeah exactly and it's like that's that's not what i mean you look at like for instance the guy playing thor i mean he was he was like a down on his luck actor before that mm-hmm. before he got that role um Everybody else that was in that, uh, they had had other stuff. Uh, the guy who plays the Hulk. Yeah, Mark uh, Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Had well, other... Edward Norton first. Yeah. It, apparently, he's difficult to work with, right. which is why he didn't end up with that role, So, yep. which is unfortunate for him. But uh, yep. he didn't He didn't do anything all that great with it anyway. With no, that, it with was, that... it, it's, it's largely one of the lower rated Marvel films. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate because, you know, you could do so much with that. You know, it, it's so weird. It, you know, one of the things I find fascinating about uh, comic book heroes and things like this, um, and, and it's so odd to a lot of people because they just look at me strange when I talk about it, is how, how things are licensed, right? So in, in terms you'll especially understand, the license, film licensing rights for Lord of the Rings, mm. okay? the same studio new line did not own the, the license Hobbit. rights to the Hobbit. Yeah. So that's why it took so long to get the Hobbit made is because there had to be this big deal. Get all the lawyers involved, get all the money people involved yep, to go ahead and make it. And then, you know, what, what do you do? Peter Jackson, uh, the studios only wanted to give him two movies to make Lord of the Rings in case it felt it flopped. They didn't want to go. And he's like, no, it's gotta be three films. So what do, what do the studios do with a book that's, what 150 pages something like that yeah really short let's make three films out of it (laughs) guess we're gonna rake in as much as we can and they were really terrible yeah they um they it it looked cartoony the mm -hmm. the effects looked worse than they did in in i don't understand that i mean you you got you know there have been moves forward with cgi and the move and the hobbit they actually the cgi actually was a movement backwards it was it looked it looked worse it was than very what you cash see on grabby. TV. Yeah. Which is which is a shame because, you know, I like Martin Freeman. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of the actors that were in it. Yeah. Um and it's a good story. It's a really you know, it's a really fun story. Yeah. You know, they they it, it really is. A lot easier story than the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know, I mean you can even I can knock that out in a weekend. You know, you could probably knock it out in a few hours. But for me, if I can read a book in a weekend then then it's an engaging yeah, uh, story. It's fun. And it's short because yeah. I'm not a fast reader. But, um, 
So licensing rights, you know, you have that. Um, one of the interesting things is, you know, that's why, you know, a lot of people have the, you know, where are the X-Men? Well, you know, Marvel didn't own Marvel Studios. Disney did not own the right, the film rights to the X-Men. They don't technically own the film rights to Spider-Man. That's yeah, a deal that was Sony. struck between Sony. Yeah. And so, you know, for a while there, the, the next episode of Spider-Man, Far From Home, or, it, it, yeah, is that the one? No, Far From Home was the last one. Um, homecoming far from home and, um, God, what kind of pop culture guy am I? I can't remember the the last one coming out here, but in any event, the, the third, uh, Spider-Man film in the Marvel cinematic unit, uh, universe almost didn't get made. Now, of course that's all grandstanding because there's so much money to be made yeah. that it was always going to happen, but it was, it was just a choice. It was just a, a choice how, of who is going to lose yeah. out on the money on that. Right. So Sony you know, wanted the lion's share. Marvel universe is like, we're doing the work. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, um, quite honestly, Sony's in, in, in this, they hold on to the, the film rights of Spider-Man as long as they put one out every three years mm-hmm. and doesn't have to be, you know, um, it doesn't have to be a Tom Holland Spider-Man, which, you know, they put out into the Spider-Verse, yeah. which is arguably one of the best Sp- Spider-Man yeah. movies out there. It It is phenomenal. If you've never seen into the Spider-Verse and you like comic book movies, you're doing yourself a so much fun by yeah. not watching that film. I, I'd watch it right now. Yeah. After this podcast. Don't so much fun. Listen it through. I'll be watching. I'll be watching the numbers. <laughs> so after this, um, so yeah, the licensing rights there. Um, and then you throw in, you'll notice there hasn't been another Hulk solo movie. And they're, t- they've said they're not planning on doing one because they can't, they don't own the rights. Universal owns the rights Is to the, the film rights at? to the Hulks and you won't find the incredible Hulk on Disney plus because they don't have streaming rights to that MCU uh, movie. And that was one, um, uh, Robert Downey Jr., made a cameo in the incredible Hulk to start tying that together. It was huge. Yeah. Yeah. The licensing can be a very, uh, a very tricky thing to get in the way of, you know, as with anything, it's, it's money. It boils yeah. down to money and who's going to make it. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, what happened there with Marvel was, um, uh, again, the, the thing with, uh, the dark Knight. you know, they had this explosion of interest in comics and uh, you had like uh, the guy who does Spawn start doing his own mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. and everybody thought that these comics were going to be like an investment item, and you know you'd buy it for a dollar fifty in ten years, it'd be worth you know a hundred and fifty or more. And yeah, not, not taking into account that that was a one-time thing with the Dark Knight because nobody thought it was going to be big, right? And they didn't print four million copies. Yeah, so you know you take this other stuff like Spawn and you print four million copies, and everybody's got this you know copy of Sprint Mint, Mint in, a, in a bag with a with a card board backer and so it's worth a buck 50 yeah no i've 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 lived that very thing when uh dc released the death of superman Mm -hmm. and it was uh, a story arc that went between justice league um um superman the adventures of superman and it it was like went through three different series to the entire arc and you know it was it was in the news and it was all this and of course you know i've got the, the bagged copy unopened a couple of them and yeah, mm-hmm. they're worth maybe the I, I paper, paid two, printer on them, yeah, I, I paid two fifty or something for it, you know, special ordered it, picked it up at books, comics and things here in Fort Wayne. Oh, I remember that place. And, um, you know, it's, it's maybe worth five bucks, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, if you're, if you love something, you're, 
it's always going to be worth more sentimentally to you than, than what it's going to be worth to something, someone else. Nobody's ever going to pay you for your, your memories uh, of it. So it's really is lightning in a bottle. If you're ever going to go ahead and, and if you're buying stuff strictly for monetarily value, you'll probably more often than not be disappointed in, in the end. Yeah. You know, I've got a lot of collectibles that, that really don't mean much more to, you know, a lot of people than they do me. Yeah, and but you like it hanging yeah. on your wall, and that's right. what's the, that's the point. You know, it wasn't an investment item. Right. You know, Going right. to retire off of this. Yeah. Now, if I can, I'm okay. But yeah, yeah it's, it's like you said, it's not the point. Every man has his price. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, um, yeah, licensing has presented some issues, but I think Marvel's navigated, and it seems to be the the Disney Marvel marriage is the the mandate is if we don't have something, we buy it. Yeah, which Disney can certainly afford to do that. Yeah, which I'm glad for because I really enjoy the stuff that they're putting out. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the next They film, need to buy DC is what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, it, it's definitely a mess with, with DC basically just, they, Warner Brothers saw what Marvel was pulling off and said, we need some of that. Yeah. Let's just skip all the, the, the world the building yeah. and just throw <laughs> everybody in, in here at once. Um, and you know, for me, um, DC, I won't, I won't completely bag on them. I, I honestly feel that in their universe, the, the Nolan films, I think are the standout of, of the, the DC comic book universe, mm-hmm. uh, so specifically the dark Knight. Mm-hmm. that one, uh, with Heath Ledger in it is, is miles above anything else DC has ever done. And in, in for my money. Uh, yeah. No, that's no, there's no question there. I, there's, I, I, I'm a little bit, you know, torn because I, you know, I just, I was the Marvel fanboy mm-hmm. back when I was a little kid, you know, and I was like, no, I don't like DC. I like Marvel, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I don't have any kind of uh, investment in any of the, in any of the DC characters except for Batman. I was I never was I thought Superman was just a, a ridiculous overpowered idea. And that's, you know, that's, that's the problem. A lot of, I forget where I read it, but the, you know, the, the Superman problem mm-hmm. is, um, you know, you, he's just all powerful. Yeah. He's about so, God walking on earth, you know, right. shoots laser beams out of his eyes. And, you know, it's like, dude, it's, uh, you, you took no effort to make this up. Right. You know, and I, I didn't, I didn't like, uh, what are the other ones like Green Lantern? I thought that was a stupid idea. Yeah, uh, apparently so did film goers when Ryan Reynolds made yeah. um, uh, Green Lantern. You know, because uh, you know the other, the, a lot of the other stuff, they just have a good story behind it. You know, the Iron Man. It's a, there's a good story behind that, and you, there's a suspension of disbelief that you can attain for that because you can look at that and think that could possibly happen. Right, and it's a flawed character. Yeah. But you look at something like, uh, you know, like Green Lantern and, you know, oh, he's, he, how does he do that? He's got a magic ring that yep. came from space. Thank you for the effort. Yeah. So one of the films that, you know, that I also really enjoyed and then DC decided to kick me right in the bag on <laughs> was uh, uh, the first Wonder Woman film. I thought that was spectacularly done. Um, you've talked about it many times. Yep. Yep. I, I really enjoy that film. I don't know if it's the, you know, the same thing that I liked about the first captain America with the setting, you know, wonder woman being world war one. Uh, 
but anyway, you know, even though the similarity of the, you know, the backstory, you know, she right off is a God. And, uh, I think, I think it, it was done really well. Um, one of my favorite scenes is, uh, her crossing the, 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 the lines in, in that fight, you know, where they're like, Oh, you can't go across there. Nobody, you know, and she, you know, goes out there totally unaware of, you know, the machine guns not caring and just, you know, great scene shot really well. Um, and then Wonder Woman 84 came out, which I talked about ad nauseum before. So it just disappointed like, you. It's it, it, it did. It did. And, and the main, the, the main cast of, of creatives were involved. You know, it's just like they, for whatever, for whatever reason, they took the good credit they had with me because I take it personally mm-hmm. and crapped right in my hand. Just really dropped the ball for you. It did. You know, <laughs> um, just, a, a, you know, if you just really want to torture yourself, that's one to sit through. I have not, and I probably won't. I sat through, I didn't sit through, I fast forwarded through Justice League. The, and I did the same with something that was infinitely worse, uh, Suicide Squad, mm. which was unbelievably terrible. Yeah, well, August 6th, we'll be watching it here on the screen. Uh, the Suicide Squad. The new one. Yep, James Gunn's, which uh, I trust James Gunn was just about everything. So I've got, it's a, it has nothing to do with the first one. Well, you know, he can't do worse. Yeah. So, um Come on, DC. Let's see what let's 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 try and hit one at least towards out of the park. Yeah, I, the bars on the floor for DC. I yeah. mean, really, they just have not have not done anything memorable, which is reflected in their in the box office take. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough to go ahead and and have um, these known established characters, and then mishandle them so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really think that's, it, it was all um, born of what Marvel did and DC just playing catch up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and what makes it more impressive, what Marvel has done is they did it with what arguably would be the second tier of yeah. their stable. Yeah. Right. The, the gold tier. Um, you probably got over the history of Marvel, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Uh, they did it without him. They did it without the X-Men mm-hmm. and uh, without the Fantastic Four, which, you know. Oh, that was terrible. Wasn't them. Yep. So they just acquired uh, the rights to the Fantastic Four. And they've tried and they tried with the reboot and it was still yeah, awful. They've made three films and they're, yeah, uh, two of them uh, or one of them with a complete reboot of the first two. And yeah, it was uh, uh, not great. So. You know, Marvel's got their hands full to go ahead and, and do justice to the X-Men, do justice to the Fantastic Four. Um, I like it that they're taking it seriously enough. I mean, there is there is actual discussion in in uh, in Disney about how to fold in the mutants, which they have not. They've spent all these movies not mentioning. Yep. And they're, that's an actual thing that they're, they're actually taking it seriously about trying to develop a good explanation a good storyline and plot line for it i'd be shocked if they haven't been working on that for years just waiting for the time when they do get the you know it's not a matter of of 
if, but when, Yeah, you know, so, and have that. I, I read an article earlier today about the uh, after credit scene of Black Widow, um, which I won't mention what it is, but the writer of uh, one of the writers, the main writers on Black Widow uh, was given direction by Marvel of what they wanted the scene to entail, but not how. So we, we need you to, to, to write it about this, how you do it is up to you, but it needs to include this part because it's vital to what we're doing next. We can't tell you what we're doing next, but this is what we need it to do. A word of warning for that teaser. I would watch, I would watch the Falcon and the winter soldier for it to, to really get maximum purchase off that, um, that stinger at the end. I won't say any more than that, but it'll, it'll be better for you. If you do watch the Falcon and the winter soldier, I'm a completionist. So I'll probably never watch the Falcon and the winter soldier again, just because it was kind of, it felt to me just more of a necessary chapter, you mm-hmm. know, chapter in a book that you're like serves no real entertainment purpose than other to just advance the story. The story. Forward. Right. So not terrible, not great. Just kind of there. They walked. You know, it's, it's, it's funny to me and it's, it's, uh, it's kind of gratifying too, because I, I've mentioned, you know, many times that me and uh, my friends were nerds when we were in high school and middle school and middle school in particular. And, you know, we read comic books and we played Dungeons and Dragons and these were gatekeeping the opposite of gatekeeping. These were things that you got involved with that kept you out of other things. Sure. You know, people didn't want to have anything to do with it. And today it's a big thing. Absolutely. You know, Dungeons it's and Dragons. It's a badge of honor to yeah. be a nerd. Yeah. And, you know, and Dungeons and Dragons is a big thing now. And, uh, and not only just for, uh, for guys, you know, you talk to a lot of girls who are like mm-hmm. really into it, which was an automatic. One of my, no-go. yeah. One of my coworkers, mm-hmm. she's, um, she's in her thirties and plays Dungeons and Dragons every week. That's That's awesome. And see, when, when we were kids, that was an automatic, you do what? Nerd. Nerd. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is, it, uh, you know, things like that just absolutely, um, ha- have gone, uh, the, the other way than, than what they were, right. Yeah. You had jocks, you had nerds, you had, um, you know, people who just didn't want to be at school, but you know, yeah, these days it is, I mean, there's, there's big business in being a nerd, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know where that cultural shift happened or how it came about, but it's interesting to look at. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Is it, cause is, I can't, I can't point to a, uh, I can't point to anything specific. How do, how long do you think that, that, yeah. I mean, in, in what the last 10, 15 years, yeah. could some of this happen, you know, with, with the, the advent that the biggest money making films are comic book films right now that, you know, it is, I mean, it is a, it is a, you know, uh, that's a, you know, I, I think that of course we're getting like getting off topic here, but, um, I think, uh, society and, uh, the entertainment industry mirror each other and they feed each other. And it's, it's, it's never one thing, you know, controlling another, like, yeah, like a lot of people like to say, Things like the, uh, you know, the advent of more violence in film has been, you know, something that 
brings about the advent of, advent of more violence in in our society. But it's it's not like that. It's it's a circle. You know, art reflects life, and people take that and then they move forward with it and they start spinning it around on the same way. Sure. So, I I, I would say it probably has a lot to do with that. Um, the fact that it was so popular, uh, Iron Man in particular, and things like that, has has definitely gotten people more interested in it and changed their view of what they thought it would be. Right. Yeah, I, I would imagine that you know whoever has the access to the numbers, I would imagine over the last ten years, comic book sales have been pretty good as compared so. to what they were. Yeah. You know. Um. You know. It just. Marvel was able to go ahead and say, okay, these are the pieces we have to play with. Let's, what can we do with them? Mm-hmm. And they did it right. You know, like I said, arguably with uh, their second tier of characters and, and they, they've pulled it off. <laughs> yeah, they have a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, most, almost all of it. Yeah. Let's see. You know, we've talked about, I think there's some things that, um, excuse me. There's some things that the that are too far for the suspension of disbelief, and it just it just fails. Like uh, your concern for uh, Wonder Woman, the the suspension of disbelief for the bad guy in that was yes. was too much for people to accept. Right, right. Especially when you go from what the first one was. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, Iron Man. You look, especially you look at the first Iron Man, and you that is something that not only could happen, but the military is actively working towards making things like that happen. Sure. You know, so the suspension of disbelief there is easier. And if you use it like that and you ramp it up incrementally, mm-hmm. you know, you come up with that and then you talk about captain America with the, the super soldier program. This is stuff that they tried to do. They've tried multiple times to develop uh, chemical compounds to, uh, to, you know, have soldiers perform better. Um, amphetamines was a big thing in world war II, uh, particularly on Germany's side. Uh, the, these are all things that, you know, incrementally you take it, you know, the next step and then you take it the next step. And it, once you've got it to that point, then the addition of an Asgardian, you know, Norse God into it doesn't seem so. Eh, yeah. You know, it could all fall apart there and it didn't. Yeah. But it, it, it tongue and cheeks its way through it. Right. It, yes. it with a nod to, yeah, this is, you know, and we're, we're going to bring up the fact that this is a bit absurd, but yeah, after that, everything's good. So, and see, I, I had not followed Thor enough, uh, in the comic books to even know that he was an alien. Yeah. No, no idea. You know, I, I like the way they folded that in. So, you know, because my, my experience with, uh, the Norse gods and things like that were from things like playing Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, using them as actual gods mm-hmm. and Nor- uh, Thor and Odin, Heimdall and everything else. So it was, it was interesting to be like, Oh, so he's not, he's not a God. He's actually an alien. And that's oh, okay. I can, I can see that, you know, that makes more sense. Yeah. The, it just seems like everything that they, they are doing right now is hitting on all cylinders. Um, which is great for, you know, all of us who've been, you know, so used to getting uh, new entertainment or new, new film options that had just had a ton of them just ripped away. I mean, there's there the, 
uh, amount of time that elapsed between when Black Widow was supposed to come out when it finally did. You know, that that was another thing that, you know, because I, I actually had that argument with a teacher in middle school because uh, I did a I did a she wanted a book report and I did a book report on the Dark Knight series. And she's like, that's a comic book. I was like, it's a story. Yeah, it's a story. I, you know, I it it's still telling a story and it's, you know, maybe it's not uh, crime and punishment, but it's, you know, not much different than you asking me. to There do. is crime and there is punishment. <laughs> exactly. But it's not much different than right. you asking me to do a book report on Charlotte's Web or whatever it was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, it was funny because Charlotte's Web was like the first book that I read. Mm-hmm. And the next and it was in sixth grade. And the next book was It by Stephen King. That's a jump. Yeah, it, it was a it was a it was a definite eye opener. Yeah, well, that explains a lot. It does. about about you and what I know about you. Yep. Talking spiders and killer clowns. Yep. Okay. Yep. And you know, and a whole lot of other things that went along with that, and just my sense of humor. Yep. Uh, you, you know, your sense of humor is something that's developed by things that you're that you're introduced to. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh and I were talking about uh, the, uh, and I was talking with the same friend the other day about uh, um, Monty Python. Mm-hmm. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And there is a whole lot of people that don't get it. My wife is one. She, English humor, she can't, she doesn't get, doesn't want to. Yeah. And they, like my dad's another one. He can't, he can't stand Monty Python. He doesn't understand it at all. Doesn't understand the humor of the absurdity. And it was uh, the beginning of my snobbishness when I was, when I was a kid, because, you know, if I, if I met somebody and they didn't get Monty Python, it was like, mm, untermensch. Oh my word. <laughs> <laughs> so your throne isn't, isn't as high as others, but still higher than theirs. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I see. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I didn't understand how you, I mean, you know, there was, there was a lot of stuff in Monty Python that they did that I didn't think was funny. Right. You know, and it was, you know, I, I understand where a lot of that, but Monty Python and the Holy Grail, that movie start to finish is just classic to me. Yeah. And I don't understand how anybody couldn't think that that's funny. And you've got no time for those people. That's right. Well, you know, it, no, it's, it's kind of along the lines of, the people who don't think that's funny are going to be the same people who are into things that I don't care about. Oh, sure. The people who don't think that's funny are going to be interested in football and baseball batting stats. Yeah. Which has never been anything that's been interest to me. Yeah. No, I've, I've, you know, I watch football every Sunday. Um, uh, not as much baseball these days, but, uh, yeah, the, the Monty Python thing is, yeah, definitely a measuring stick. Have Have you ever read Ready Player One? No, you've told me I need yeah. to check that out. You, you and can, I've, you I've can, got the book, but you I can read this book in like a Saturday. Yeah, it's that easy of a read because I've read it. Um, but yeah, that that is for the next time you're on. That's that's homework. Okay, because um, you know I've talked about the film and, and some of the the book on here, um, but. You know, I I know that I usually rag on you and uh, Josh about being the the book is better than the movie guy. Yeah, we're that guy. But I'm that guy on this because yeah, yeah the in it goes back to what I was talking about with licensing. You could have never pulled this book off with licensing rights on film. Just too much of it. Yeah, I mean, it it it'd go on for an eternity. <laughs> Lawyers would get rich, and that's it. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's a, it, a very quick read for somebody who reads like you do. Uh, something else that's like that is like the, uh, like, uh, our friend Jason, mm-hmm. I was telling him about something that has been, you know, at first this seemed really strange to me, but our generation, our kids generation has this thing where they will watch other people play a video game Oh, and they'll big get business. it and they'll get into it. And my, my son was doing this and I'm sitting here just watching him watch this video. And I'm like, how are you enjoying this? I don't get it. I was yeah. like, I can imagine playing it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how could I get, how can we're you, a different version yeah. of our parents? Well then I, then again, I thought about it and you know, this was the discussion that I had with Jason because he just thought that was so ridiculous. I was like, it's no different than watching somebody play football. Yeah. It's just watching somebody else do a game while you're just sitting there. Yeah. It's like, where's, where's the difference there? He's like, well, they're actually doing something. I was like, there's no difference. It's no difference to you. You're watching it on a screen. Yeah. Uh, yep. You no, know, it's big business. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is huge business sponsorships and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, uh, so much of this, you know, the, the cultural shift in um, technology and um, you know, I mean, quite, quite honestly, we were in a long period and even to today of just regurgitation of, of existing films, yeah. stories and whatnot, you know, that nothing was original anymore. Yeah. And you know, everything, we're to the point now where I sincerely believe everything borrows from something else. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, my buddy, Jake, you know, Jake has been on the program and, in you know, through film school and whatnot, screenwriting school, I believe it was him that told me, you know, that there's basically, and I'm going to butcher this, but there's, I can't remember the exact number, but there's basically five stories mm-hmm. in, in that people write. And yeah. it's just a different variation thereof. Yeah, that's uh, that actually comes from a Greek philosopher. I can't remember the name, okay. but I know exactly yeah, what I mean, he's talking about. But it's just a it's repeat. That that old, you know, it's all the same story. You're just tweaking it here and sure. there and adding You're putting things. a different skin on it and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that type of thing. And That's why when you come across something that feels really new, that it is such a real high for you. Yeah, and I... Um, and it's the same with like music and other parts sure. of art and things like that. My dad, my dad is of the opinion, you know, you bring him anything. I don't care if it's nine inch nails or whatever. He'll listen to about five seconds of it and be like, they ripped off the Beatles for that. And, you know, he'll just, everything comes back to something from the sixties, some music from the sixties. Which we'll do to our kids. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 That's, that's not music. Yep. yep. And I do that. Yeah. I, I do that to my kids. And I, you know, I've been doing it now because of rap. Mm. It's like growing up with Ice Cube and Ice T and Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> the rap Run in my DMC. day was much better. Exactly, you know, exactly. And you, and then you got into uh, the better stuff like a trap called Quest and right. things like that. And now people come out there and mumble and just repeat themselves yeah. over and over yeah. and over. Well, and yeah, you, and you just have this just disrespect for this. Like this is pathetic. Yeah. Well, I mean, you go ahead and you say it was better back then because it was, right? <laughs> I don't want to lie. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I don't want to lie to you and tell you that, uh, you know, you've, you've come up with something new and fresh. And the fact of the matter is, is that it's just trash. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I, I, yeah. I don't want to rain on your parade, no, but sorry, you know, I'm trying to help. Yeah. Take, take my old ice cube CDs. Go, go listen to that. Go, you know, take, take these. What's old... the CD? <laughs> 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 I've got a, I've got a, a, a whole bureau at home 
filled with CDs. <laughs> Bureau. Oh, it's multiple drawers, dude. I didn't I didn't have enough room. I'd have had to put a whole bookcase together just for the CDs. I want you to look right. This is great listening material <laughs> right now because none of you guys can can see what I'm pointing at and I don't even know where the hell it went. Let me move the I just stood up with a microphone and I can't find it. It's down here somewhere, but there is a CD tower oh. full of CDs down here. Is that that it right over there? The Probably black, black thing, yep. black plastic. Yep, yep, that's it. I can't tell you the the last time that I, I, I actually queued up a CD. I can tell you the last time I queued up a record. So everything's kind of come full circle. Oh man, you know, I, I bought I, a turntable and love and vinyl. I, I look at this and I think about how much money I how much money there is. In CDs, I bought all these, and some of these I bought, you know, back in the '80s when you know CDs were like thirty bucks a hit. Mm. Remember that when they come with those big boxes? Remember yeah. that? Yeah. And uh, I look at all these CDs, and I've just got hundreds of them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I spent thousands and thousands yeah. of dollars on this music. Yeah. Unreal, and you know, most of the time, yeah, I don't listen to it because I. At Spotify. I want or, it now. Yeah. I can't be bothered to go ahead and load anything up yeah, when and, I can just listen to it on my phone. And I want that song, not not this, all the songs before it. And you know, and that's and how many CDs did you buy? Do you think that you bought for one song? Oh God, so many. Yeah, me too. Oh, so many. Do you remember that there was? Uh, uh, everybody remembers Blockbuster Video, but do you remember Blockbuster Music? No. So they were a place, and it was, um, again, great, great listening material here for those of you who don't know Fort Wayne, Indiana. You're going to get a big kick out of this because you have no idea what I'm talking about. It was on Coliseum Boulevard across from Glenbrook, right where um, Dick's Sporting's Goods is. It oh, was there. I do remember and that And you could go in there. And they would open the CD and for play, you, they, and you, had, you could listen to it. Yeah, they before had like you bars it. where you yep. they had like headphones yep. plugged in, and you could walk up and yeah, and listen to it before you bought it. Oh wow! And that was like that. wow, this is the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And you know, just um, where we are today is just—I mean, we—I can't think of anything that will let us go backwards. We, you know, we're at a point now where everything, if we can't get it at our fingertips, mm-hmm. it's just a total inconvenience. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And that's, that's with everything in our culture. Right yeah. Now. And that's, that's one of the reasons why you see such a, now we're really getting off talk but you see this real disconnect with people that can't tell the difference between inconvenience and, imp- and oppression. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's like because uh, what I was thinking of when you were talking about Disney was uh, um, Gina Carano getting mm-hmm. the axe yes. for for running her mouth, and uh, she was talking about how she was being uh, persecuted, and I was like, you're you're not being persecuted, you're just unpopular. <laughs> the things you're saying are unpopular. Well, the things and people want to get paid, man. Yeah, the things that she. Yeah, exactly. You know, it it's it's the climate. Uh, uh, the existing climate today, mm-hmm. the people saw their opportunity uh, to have their money be yeah. damaged by this person running their mouth about right. their opinion, which um, the interesting thing there is word is that she will be hired back in November. This really reeks of a 
we got to let this blow over because yeah. the fan- well, most of it, does. most yeah. of it is like that. Anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, um, the, the star Wars fandom, you know, for the most part, overwhelming majority didn't care what her, her views were. No, they was, liked that character. Yeah. No, it and wasn't the it, fans. It was, it was everybody just watching exactly. out on the Twitter sphere. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she is, uh, word is she'll be back in uh, November mm-hmm. on that, and we'll see. I, fig- I figured she would be. It's the same thing that happened with with uh, on well, a just d- different flavor. Everybody. But James Gunn was fired from the third Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. and six months later, hey, we rehired him. Yeah. You know this type of thing. So things blow uh, over. People forget. I mean, especially especially. Oh, it might have been Taika Waititi who said it about that kiss. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-mm. There was a photo that came out of him a couple months ago. Oh, him and him and Tessa yes. Thompson and yep. the other girl sharing a kiss yep. up on that balcony. Yep. And he was completely unapologetic yeah. about it. And he was like, and he, you know, he got read the riot act by Disney who didn't want uh, you know, this brand to be, you know, messed up by, you know, him kissing two girls at the same time. And he, he was completely unapologetic. He was like, they'll, they'll forget about it in two weeks. Yeah. This is this is the internet. Nobody past a month, nobody cares, and he's yeah. completely right. Right, because and there that be, movie stands to make a ton of money. Well, not not even for that. It's just for the fact that people are is so desperate to be outraged about something yeah. that next week there'll be something for them to be outraged about, and then next week there'll be something for them to be outraged about, and it'll just, and if it's not legitimate, they'll make it up. Yeah, and a, a month from now, no, nobody will care. He's completely right. So yeah, after all that serious stuff, you know, if you were going to, um, we talked a little bit about, uh, films you stop and watch is, are are there any comic book films that you feel that way about that you'll stop and watch if you flip through the crow? Oh, okay. Right off the bat, the crow. Yeah. I don't see that very often. I mean, no, you used to see it all the time and it falls right along with your great soundtrack. Yeah. That it, you were talking about completely, too. Completely, yeah. That was that hit at a time. You know, that was almost always on rotation. That CD. Mm-hmm. It, it, you go to any one of our circle of friends' house, and uh, car or whatever, you're going to hear the crow. Yeah, yeah, yep. There's a, there's been a couple of you know it'd be nice to do one about just uh, movie soundtracks and things like that. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I I'm of the opinion maybe it's just because you and I grew up in the the MTV generation. Yeah. That music really lays out the soundtrack for the story if sure. it's done right, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, it's something that, uh, what's his name? James Gunn said about guardians of the galaxy. Absolutely. And he's completely right. Yeah. And there's a lot of movies out there that are like that. And a good director will take a real advantage of the emotional feeling that a song will bring and include it in his in his in his movie or in his uh, show. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm thinking of uh, an episode of True Detective, um, which you haven't seen the first season no. of that. Which is, if there is if there is any suggestion I should I should say about seeing a TV show, it's episodes there season one of True Detective. That is the best show I have ever watched. Oh wow! Ever better than Deadwood, which is that's that's saying something, man. And. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of other ones like singles. That movie was pretty awful, but the soundtrack was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see other, other ones that I'd stop what I'm doing and watching. Um, 
the the second Iron Man I really liked. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. Yeah, which is which is a lot of people didn't like it, yeah, but I, I thought it was well done. Why. Yeah. You know? That was good fun. But yeah. it had um, Sam Rockwell in it, yeah. who, who is always great. <laughs> I haven't seen him do anything bad. Yeah. No. Um, when I first saw him, I first saw him in Galaxy Quest playing a red shirt. And yep. that was the best. I mean, he, Galaxy he, Quest. And, and he was just he was just this side character in the background, but he just he he did so well with that. Yep. Oh man, that was that was a great movie. Yeah, you know, circling around, you know, uh, roundabout way with with uh, Sam Rockwell and and Taika Waititi and his um, uh, involvement in the MCU. Mm. I mean, they both worked together in um, Jojo Rabbit. Did they? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and you know he owned that role that he was in too. That was so good, but. Uh, He's great. He's one of those actors that if, you know, if, if he's in a movie, I'm probably going to watch it. Cause it's, you know, even if the movie is not good, he's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I haven't seen him do poorly in anything. He's a great actor. No, he's great. So you've got, um, uh, second Iron Man and edit that part. <laughs> And the crow. Um, and let's see, there's 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 a lot of them out there that were, you know, fun without being, you know, earth shattering, right. you know, things that break through. Like like I feel like Iron Man was a kind of a breakthrough movie. Sure. That was where, you know, somebody, you know, the the rest of the the production studios woke up and said, Well, this this is something that people actually like. This isn't some esoteric thing that just, you know, nerds are gonna get into. People are really digging this. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I think, I think for me, yeah. Um, I see the first Iron Man just because of of remembering, you know, what theater I was in and and when it hit, and just realizing later how big this thing had become. I'll watch that. Really, any of those uh, three Iron Man. Uh, yeah, people come uh, down on the third one, but it was all right. No, I, mean, I thought it was, it was great yeah, too. It was. It's got some of my favorite. Uh, favorite scenes in there. It's got, you know, the, the scene at the end where he's calling all the different suits uh-huh. and there's the one that he, that, that uh, he crash landed in earlier. That's coming um, back right at the end. And he's like waiting there for it. And it's coming to him. And he looks back, he's like the prodigal son returns <laughs> and he's like, you know, in his pose waiting for the glove and the thing hits the catwalk he's on and falls apart. And he's just kind of like, he's got just a look and he looks at it and puts his head down. And he goes, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so just little things like that. There was, there was a, so good. There was a bunch of that. And I, I love Ben Kingsley in that. Oh yeah. In his, Trevor. Re, in his reveal. No, no, no. My name's yep. Trevor. Yep. Yeah. That's, oh, that's God, really that hilarious. Good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the guardians movies, I'll stop and watch those. Yes. Um, yeah, I, uh, Thor Ragnarok doesn't come up on anything that I'm watching, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll search that one out. That one's just great. Yeah. That, you know, it just, it, it seems like there's really a flavor for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> you know, I'd watch any of the uh, Spider-Man ones again, but they're not streaming on Disney plus right now. So, um, again, going back to licensing, but yeah, it just, you know, it just, there's so many of them that you can just stop and, and find something for whatever particular mood 
you know, you want to see some of them deal a little more heavily with things and others, but you know, it, it, it's funny with so many different storytellers and so many different directors, they all feel like they belong in the same universe, you know? And I think that's a testament to just the overall vision of, of Marvel and Disney. I am happy that Ryan Reynolds managed to have Deadpool done. Yes. Because Deadpool was what really paved the way for Logan. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, for them to be able to take it to an R rating and make it more serious and yep. they could, and to show them that they can still make money. Cause we, we want to see that. It was kind of like the, uh, the, the dark Knight returns, right? Yeah. To where it's like, Hey, it's this not isn't just, just a comic book. It's this not just for kids. Yeah. It's not kids. The kids who grew up on this stuff have grown up Yeah, and they, you know, they want to see these stories. Mm-hmm. Yep. I might watch Logan again. That's Maybe tonight. It's a fantastic movie. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've mentioned before that I'm a big fan of uh, when the hero dies at the end. You know, that's, ah. that's, that's my, my favorite movies are when, you know, somebody's, you know, you know, on his way out, but still, still swinging. Yep. Like a uh, man on fire. Oh, and, that, yeah. uh, Denzel Washington. That was great. And Logan, <clears throat> just about any film where the, uh, where the main character is going to die at the end. I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. Well, that speaks to an overall probably bigger emotional problem you have, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it goes all the way back to that, uh, that, uh, what was it? Uh, Red Dawn. Oh, we're all going to die. Die standing up. Yep. Yep. I remember my heart breaking when C. Thomas Howell bought the big one. <laughs> Decided he had had enough. He's going out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. I tell you what, man, you, you watch back for that. I, it was probably two years ago that was on and I've, I've watched it whatever, wherever it was playing. Cause I, you know, it was probably, it was a Saturday night or something. I was flipping and it brought back nostalgic memories, you yeah. know, the stuff. But it did. It did have some scenes in there that were like, "Man, that sucks." You know, um, uh, when Jennifer Gray died, mm-hmm. you know, had the uh, she was all shot up, and you know, had the grenade, and he couldn't pull the trigger. Yep. And so, um, you know, the Russians came and picked her up, and the grenade went off, and she took a few of them with her, and then that uh, scene with um, Patrick is- Swayze and Charlie Sheen at the end. Yeah, and he's like, "Daddy's coming, Maddie." Uh-huh. You know, and it's like, damn, that's, you know, you're watching it 13 years old. It's like, oh, damn, they died. You know, this kind of thing. You get older, you know, it's like, man, that's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. But, there was a, there was a bunch of good scenes in that one. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know why, but you know, whenever I think of Patrick Swayze, I don't think of Red Dawn. I don't think of the outsiders. I think of Roadhouse. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Roadhouse. Dalton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the the traveling <laughs> vigilante bouncer, yeah, yeah. throat ripping made, outer made no sense at all. You know, it was just so much fun. It, it was. I mean, it was a, just just that eighties movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, you know, the action movie, and um, there's probably some of you that the that, over the top bad guy. <laughs> well, that that you're only semblance of knowledge about roadhouses from family guy. <laughs> did, you, did you ever see that? No. Oh, it's so good. You got to look it up. And if any of you haven't seen that and, and know what I'm talking about, YouTube, uh, uh, family guy roadhouse, very, very 
Well done. So as to not as to not close on a down note, I think that's a good spot to put it instead of Charlie Sheen dying at the end of Red Dawn. So uh, again, hey Sean, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Uh, My pleasure. Uh, as always, you can reach the show at this won't teach at gmail dot com. That's the email address at this won't teach on Twitter. Uh, this underscore won't underscore teach underscore you underscore anything on Instagram and on Facebook at this won't teach you anything. Again, thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks on the next episode of this won't teach you anything. <laughs>